0: Amen. Well, today I have another topic, and lately it seems I've been having to build myself up in faith. I've been having to go through different things. There's been different situations, different battles. And, and you know, sometimes when you're facing a battle, the good thing to do is say, okay, so let's go back and say, where are my foundations? Let's start building off of something that I know to be solid. And when I first got born again, one of the major teachers that inflected, our. in inst- not inflected, <laughs> that ha- helped shape my life, words are disappearing this morning, I have to bring them back, <laughs> that helped shape my life was Kenneth Hagen. So most of you have probably been familiar with some of his teachings, and this is something that I've heard throughout the years that I've heard taught different times, and and yet each time I've heard it, it seems to want to impart a little more life. It reminds me of the book that we've been going through, Hung by the Tongue. The first time I read that book was probably about 30 years ago, and yet now going through it at Bible study, it's like there's new truths coming out of it that have been hiding in there all along, but just now I'm in a different place and I'm able to start receiving them. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with going back and checking out the foundations sometimes. Because when you check the foundations, you'll discover that there is stuff that's been put on those foundations that shouldn't be there. And that gives you an opportunity to clean some of that out and to see to it that it's built properly. So we're talking about how we've been designed to reign. And that's what I want to discuss this morning. I want to start off with Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. And it says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. So if you have made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, then this abundance of grace, then this gift of righteousness that is talked about here in Romans 5.17 belongs to you. If you have ever accepted Jesus as your Savior, then it belongs to you. Because it says, we will receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. The verse goes on to say that you will reign by Jesus Christ. Well, if you've been told that you are going to reign, I think it's pretty important to know who you're going to reign, what you're going to reign, and where you're going to reign. You know, it doesn't help much to know that you're going to reign or that you're going to be in charge if you don't know what you're in charge of. Years ago, our son had a t-shirt and it said, you know, I must hurry and catch up with the others for I am their leader. Well, that's the way a lot of Christians have been operating. I must hurry and catch up because I'm their leader. And we have this concept, we've heard about reigning, but we don't really know where or what we're going to be reigning about or how we're supposed to be reigning. When I grew up, the denomination that I grew up, we really never talked about ruling and reigning. We talked about enduring. We talked about holding on to the end. The whole picture that I grew up with was the concept of, you know, that if you could just barely somehow manage to survive to the end, then you would be okay. There was no such concept about ruling and reigning in life. There was no such concept about rising up and taking authority. The whole idea was that, you know, you just kept your head down, you kept your eyes down, and you just sort of plugged along and hoped that one step would go in front of the other step. And one day, maybe one day, if you were really fortunate and if you had held on hard enough, then Jesus would take you home. And man, would life be good then. And that was a concept that was taught in a lot of churches. There was no such thought of ruling and reigning. Well, after I became a Christian, I started to hear about ruling and reigning. But it seemed that this was something that was going to happen in the sweet by and by. You know, we talked about the millennium when the saints will reign with Christ. We talked about in heaven that we would reign with Christ Jesus. That we would be with Him on His throne. And the reigning ended up being moved into the millennium or being moved into the sweet by and by. You know, it reminded me of some of the movies that I've watched, and you may have watched some of them too, where they depict the early life for the American slaves. You know, they've been brought into captivity, they've been enslaved, they've been brought to America, forced to work, <clears throat> really for their room and board, and that was depend upon what their master thought was good. But you would hear them when they're off in the fields, or off working, and the, the Negro spirituals, and you'd hear them singing, you know, out on the fields, or at least that's how the movies depict them, so I, must there, I believe there must be some. And they'd be singing out on the fields, you know, swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. You know, and everything was coming for Their life depicted that in this world they were going to suffer, in this world they were going to have a hard time, but when the day came that Jesus was going to come and pick them up and take them out of all of this, so we ended up having this concept of ruling and reigning so that this world we would suffer as we traveled through this world, foot sore and poorly shod, glad that we were a part of the family of God. Because one day this was going to change. But, you know, when you start studying more on ruling and reigning, when you read even this verse here, you find out this isn't talking about the millennium. This is not even talking about heaven. So while these things are true, we will rule and reign in the millennium, we will rule and reign throughout heaven, it's not the whole truth. If we are just looking for one day where we will be free, it doesn't leave an awful lot for this life. If we're putting everything in the future, it leaves very little for right now it leaves the impression that you can be saved and you can get to heaven. But until you do, you will continue to live under the devil's hand. That you can get to heaven if you accept Christ. But until you get there, you're going to face every sin and sickness, poverty, fear and bondage that can be brought down on you. And you're going to have to learn to keep your attitude right while it's doing. In fact, in some circles it is even taught that all of these things that the enemy is putting upon you are the cross that you're going to have to bear. That this cross will perfect you so that one day you're going to be ready in heaven. And we hear these silly little religious sayings, well, just take up your cross and follow Jesus. What is your cross? Is it your disease? Is it your poverty? Is your cross the station of life that you were born into? Not according to the Bible. Because if those things are your cross, then when we talk about following Jesus to the cross, the one thing that Jesus could do, he could have laid down his cross at any time, but he chose to carry it. He chose to carry that cross. He chose to go to the cross because He was looking at the glory that was ahead. So your cross has to be something that you can lay down. Now if you're carrying that form of sickness or sin or disease around just because you like to, there's something wrong with you. Come on. If you're carrying that pain around because you've got nothing better to do, then you need to have an examination by doctors with long white coats because there's something wrong. God has not called us to carry those things. In fact, the Bible tells us that in his own body, on the tree, Jesus already took those things off of us, that we should be able to live unto righteousness, that we that our sicknesses, our diseases were paid for by his stripes. So that is not part of the cross. The cross is willing to deny yourself, to deny your flesh, so that you can live godly. That is your cross, and that's the cross everybody wants to lay down. Come on. Well, I would like to, but this thing just overcame me. Well, I would like to, but, but, but. Stop before you get to the but. I would like to and I will. The cross is something you can lay down, but you choose to carry it. I choose to put my flesh upon the cross. There is things that I will not do, not because I can't, because I will not, because that is part of the cross, and I say that is no longer part of my life. The cross has done its work. My flesh has been crucified in that area, and I am rising up in the newness of life. I'm looking beyond the cross to the resurrection. I will not. I could, but I will not because I daily pick up my cross and follow Jesus sickness I don't know of anybody that can lay it down and chooses to pick it up honestly you know we deify it we glorify it religion always deifies death we deify it we glorify it we talk about it we allow it to consume us but I don't know of anybody that would lay it down but choose to hold on to it. Come on. In fact, I talked to one religious soul one day, and she made the comment that her son had been in this horrible accident, and and that was God's will. And I said, so did you glorify God for that then? She said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, if it was God's will, were you sitting there rejoicing in the hospital room? Your son is near death. You don't know if he's going to live or not. What a time to rejoice if that's God. She got upset with me. I said, So when did you rejoice? Well, she said, Once you got better. I said, That was God's will, and that's when you began to give praise to God. You were smart enough to know it, but you're trying to convince yourself otherwise. Come on. I'm off course and I don't care. (laughs) So the cross is something you can lay down, but you choose to carry. The cross is something you choose to allow to do its work in your life, to deal with those thoughts, to deal with those motives, to deal with those habits that have been holding on to you for who knows how long, but you're applying the power of the cross and you're saying the resurrection, this is being crucified now, so that the resurrection life of Jesus Christ will be able to show that much more boldly and that much more freely in me. So in some circles it's taught that these things are going to to perfect you so that you're ready for heaven. I thank God that that is not what the Bible teaches. Can those things perfect you? It can perfect your attitude, definitely. You can learn to be thankful. The Bible does say God resists the proud. But our, t- <laughs> but our text says <laughs> that we can reign in life, in this life, By Christ Jesus. Weymouth's translation says, For if by the trespasses of the one, death reigned as king through the one, much more shall they who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign as kings in the realm of life. Well, that means the here and the now. That's not talking about the sweet by and by. That's talking about here and now. Now while the King James Version doesn't use the word kings, the word reigning carries with it the idea of ruling, of dominion, of having authority. So somebody that reigns, you know that there's somebody that has dominion. Somebody that is reigning is somebody that has authority. Somebody that is reigning, you know, the King James doesn't use the word kings, but it talks about reigning, so that alone lets you know that we are talking about those that are in authority, and the Bible talks about that as being us. Where do kings rule? Where do kings rule and reign? In their kingdom. You cannot reign in somebody else's kingdom. You rule in your kingdom or in the area of your influence. So Paul said we reign in life, so we have the authority to rule and to reign, to have dominion in our life or the life that we have here and now. That is where we are supposed to be, ruling and reigning. So it's easy to look around and see people that, although they are Christians, are not ruling or reigning in life. It's easy to find people, you know, they're calling upon the name of the Lord, they've been saved, and yet they're not ruling or reigning. And one of the main reasons that they are not ruling and reigning is that truth has not been taught like it should be. They have not yet been told the truth. Hosea 4.6 says, "...my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge." It does not say that the sinners are destroyed for lack of knowledge. God says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So it sounds like if God's people had knowledge of who they really were in Christ, of who God is and of the rights and the privileges that they possess, they wouldn't be destroyed. If you're being destroyed for lack of knowledge, you're going to need more knowledge. It reminds me in different things that have been going on in different areas in life, and we hear about different situations. It reminds me that as a Canadian citizen, you have certain rights and privileges. How many of you knew that? It's called the Charter of Rights and Privileges, the Canadian Charter of Rights and Privileges. How many of you know what your rights are according to the Canadian Charter of Rights and Privileges? Why? You can get a copy on the internet. If you have a specific question, you can punch that in and it's going to give you all the information that you could possibly ask how it's been argued back and forth by lawyers and what the final verdict has been. It'll even tell you that. See, a lot of times, Christians complain, and one of some of the things that they complain about, they're whining about stuff that they already have. <laughs> Why? You can whine about stuff. You can have an opinion about stuff. You can feel that you would like things to be a certain way, but in the country of Canada, if you want to know what or not, you should go to the Charter of Rights and Freedoms and see what that says, if that's even one of your rights or not. Because if it's one of your rights, then one of the things that's going to happen is the power of the authority of the government of Canada is going to back you to get that right. But until you know it, creatures, people, can come walking all over there, stamp all over it, as though it doesn't even matter. And until you know, and you know one of the things that hits me, especially in the, being in the church, and one of the things, the religious rights and freedoms that people have in Canada, you would be amazed at what rights and freedoms you actually have when you start checking out what the charter says. Yeah, well, why isn't it being enforced? Because our people perish for lack of knowledge. When Dr. George and his team at that time began to lead the assault against the CRTC, the Canadian Radio and Television Corporation, they started going with what are their rights in the Charter of Rights. As religious freedom, we have the right to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the CRTC said, you can have a -a 24-hour-a-day religious channel, but you cannot have a -a 24-hour-a-day Christian channel. That was the law. They had determined... Some of you will remember. I know Dan and Lisa, when we had that, we were still going at that time already. We started working on it and said, hey, this is wrong. This has to be a right as Christians. We have a right to have a TV station, a radio station that will be 24 hours a day, Christian programming only. And the CRTC said you can have religious, so as long as you leave some time for Christian, some time for Muslims, some time for Hindu, some time for. We said, no! We do not play nicely with other religions. Well, you have to. No, we do not have to. And the whole thing became a court challenge. Dr. George finally went ahead to put some pressure on, and he opened up a -a 24-hour-a-day Christian broadcasting station in the church. The CRTC came and broke down the church doors. They threatened to arrest him and throw him in jail. They confiscated the equipment. He says, throw me in jail. That's the best advertising I could get. well, we don't want to throw you in jail. Then get out of here. When the CRTC decided to review their policies, one person, one organization was allowed to open up 24-hour-a-day Christian programming. Guess who? Victory Churches International. The door was broke open. Others got in along on it. But the original one was Victory Churches International. And they opened up A TV station called the Miracle Channel. The Miracle Channel has now recently been taken over. Leon Fontaine, founder of, is now running the Miracle Channel at this point. Victory Churches International opened that up because they said, This is our right. Why don't you know your rights? well, I know what I want. I know what I would like. Well, I don't think that's good. None of that stands up. It stands up when we know what our rights are. See, the judge doesn't care what you think. He wants to know what the law is. So Satan is often able to rule or reign in the lives of Christians because they don't know their rights. Christians don't recognize the authority that has been given to them. So until they can appoint to their charter, this is our charter of rights, until they can appoint to their charter, Satan will walk all over their rights like they don't even exist. Now they can whine and they can cry and they can say, I don't like it, but it doesn't matter. Too many Christians think Jesus is going to do everything for them and they don't recognize the part that they have to play. You know, it almost sounds holy, doesn't it? Oh, well, I'm just going to leave it all in the hands of the Lord. What does Romans five seventeen say? What it does not say is that Jesus will reign through you. What it does say is they shall receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness and shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. It doesn't say Christ is going to do that. It says you are going to do it through Christ, not Christ through you. And yet we want to change it. Well, God can do whatever he wants. God will do whatever he wants. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It sounds like the same thing that the Muslims use. Allah is in charge. Allah will do whatever he will. Whatever happens is the will of Allah. We're not Muslims. We are Christians. We have a right to rule and reign. In fact, we are told we have to rule and reign. So that says that we will reign. It says we know. Now, we know it's not because of our own merit, but because of the merit of Jesus Christ. We're not ruling and reigning because we're so good. We are ruling and reigning because of what God has already done through Christ. We have this authority because Jesus has given the authority to rule and reign to us. When he said, all power has been given unto me. Now you go into all the world and you teach. You make disciples. So people trying to be holy say things, well, I've just left it in the Lord's hand, and He's going to do it. And the fact of the matter is it's not holiness, it's laziness. Laziness. The truth is that He has left it in your hands. He has given it to you, and He has said, now you go. I believe half the problems in this world are because the church has been too lazy to stand up and say, In the name of Jesus, by the authority of Jesus Christ, it is time to cease and to desist. The church. Oh, well, it's this. Oh, well, it's that. Well, it's this. It is against the laws of God. Next next week, we want to finish up on Tuesday night with the hung by the tongue. The week after that, there's a series that I want to start. It's a video series, but I think it's absolutely good and it covers a lot of these areas. Just to how to stand, take your rights, how to take your authority, how to use your authority to rule and reign in this life. That means we need to find our job, we need to find our position, we need to find out what we're supposed to do, and then we need to do it. Romans 5.17 tells us two things that we have received. It says we have received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. It is us receiving the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness that enables us to reign. If we don't know what we have received, we will be unable to reign with any authority. Then we are reigning on wishes instead of backing the authority. When somebody says this is what needs to happen and the policeman comes along and says, well, no, we can't be doing that, what do you do? You defer to the authority of the policeman normally. Unless you have to know that this is stepping on your charter of rights. Well, there's been a lot of teaching on grace and I thank God for the grace that he's extended to us. But this verse doesn't stop us saying we received grace. It also says we received the gift of righteousness. So it will help us to understand what the gift of righteousness is. First of all, the gift of righteousness is a gift. (laughs) That's pretty plain, eh? It is a gift, which means we did nothing to earn it. We did nothing to deserve it. Secondly, it means that we have been made right with God, that we now have right standing with God. If you are in right standing with God, then there is nothing between you and him. Can we accept that? There's no veil of sin, there's no blanket, there's no... If you are in right standing with God, then everything that has been separating you from God has been removed. In fact, when you are in right standing with God, you cannot be in any better standing with him. You're there. You've arrived. And that is the truth that you need to learn and to get firmly settled in your heart and in your mind. I am in right standing with God. Today. Right now. It is the devil that tries to make you think that God is holding your sins against you. After you have repented from them. The Bible never talks about growing in righteousness. Did you know that? It talks about growing as newborn babes by desiring the sincere milk of the words so that you may grow thereby in 1 Peter 2.2. Paul talks about faith that can grow exceedingly in 2 Thessalonians 1.3, but nowhere does the New Testament ever talk about growing in Righteousness. Why is that? The truth is you can't grow in righteousness. You're either righteous or you're not. It's like being pregnant. You either are or you aren't. You're not more pregnant on the ninth month than you are on the first month. Come on. Your pregnancy may be showing a lot more boldly. Your righteousness may be showing a lot more strongly, but you are just as righteous on day one as you are on 80 years later. You can never have any more right standing with God than what you have right now if you are standing before Him in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You can never go further. Even when you get to heaven, you're not going to be in better standing with God than you have right now. Oh, well, once we get to heaven, then, no. Right now, you are just as righteous as you're going to be in heaven. Because it's the same sacrifice that gets you there. A newborn believer has the same standing with God as a Christian that has lived a holy and sanctified life for 80 years. We cannot comprehend the fullness of this, but it is all through Jesus and what He did for us. And that's why in the church we try so hard to differentiate or delineate somewhere, and yet the Bible doesn't. They that call upon the name of the Lord shall be Saved. saved. How much more saved are you than being saved? My grandmother used to say, well, I don't care if I don't get to go right to the throne room as long as I can get into the door of heaven. (laughs) grandma if you make it into the doorway you've made it to the throne room (laughs) because it's the same cross it's the same blood it's the same sacrifice it's the same righteousness that gets you to the doors that gets you to the throne there is nothing further it's the end you have the pass the blood of jesus christ is your backstage pass you get to walk right to the throne See, in the Old Testament, the blood of the bulls and the goats only covered sin for a year. But the blood of Jesus Christ never did cover sins. The blood of Jesus Christ was to wash away the sin, according to Revelation 1.5. So we are not a covered creature. We are a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. This was our wedding text. Therefore, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We both had stuff in our life that we said, we're not dragging this into the new. So this will be our wedding text. And the minister preached, Pastor Mac Dumcombe. He preached a message on we were new creatures in Christ Jesus. And that was just so fitting because as we said, I do to each other. We were new creatures forming a new creature yet. Well, how could two new creatures form a new creature? Well, the two shall become one. That, mm, don't even go there. I speak of mysteries. (laughs) God doesn't make any unrighteous new creatures. We have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, according to 2 Corinthians 5.21. So as new creatures, our heart has changed. We no longer want to sin, and God doesn't want us to sin either. Now if we do miss it, provision has been made, First John 2, 1 John 2.1. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Now the Greek word that has been translated advocate means lawyer or one who is pleading your case. So we have a lawyer in the Supreme Court of Heaven pleading our case. Jesus Christ, the righteous, pleads for us. It's not a ticket to sin, it's a ticket to stay away from sin. Because you have the accuser of the brethren standing up there saying, Oh God, did you see what he did? Did you see what he did? Oh, listen to him. And then you have your advocate, your lawyer saying, But it's covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. He has repented. My blood covers him. And the judge goes, Okay, so if this is what's happening, why should I not judge and condemn him? And our advocate says, because I already paid his price. My blood covers that. It's not giving somebody a license to sin. It's giving somebody the license to live holy. The power to live holy. Righteousness pleads for us. If I do sin and lose my righteousness, I turn to God and I say, God, I have sinned. Why? I'm agreeing with my adversary. Who's your adversary right now? God. God, I have sinned. I have failed. I didn't want to, but I missed it. Forgive me. Who's your adversary? The accuser of the brethren is bringing these accusations before God. Agree with them. Don't sit there and say, oh, no, I'm standing against my self-righteousness, so I'm pretty good still. I'm not as bad as that other person. God resists the proud. So your advocate is standing on the side You're agreeing, say, I did miss it. And then Jesus goes to the throne room and says, but I took his place. (laughs) I shed my blood, and God sees Jesus instead of me. God sees what Jesus did to wash away my sin, and he counts me righteous because of Jesus. First John 1.9 says if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to restore us unto all righteousness. So when I sin, I lose my sense of righteousness. This is why people that are living in sin have a hard time looking a Christian in the eye. Especially Christians. I've noticed that many different times I'll try and catch somebody's eye and they don't want to catch my eye, something's wrong. Why? Because especially if they know that you're a minister, they know that you work in the prophetic sometimes, people don't want to look you in the eye. I want to hide. There's no need to hide. We're not here to condemn, we're here to restore righteousness. So when I sinned, I lose my sense of righteousness. When I confess my sin, God forgives me. Now, if that was all that God ever did, I would still have the spiritual inferiority complex. Oh man, I'm not as good. They're going to all look at me, they're going to read, and they're going to see, and they're all going to know, oh man, they're all going to know what I'm doing. <laughs> Repentance. Repentance, you turn around and stop doing it. Repentance isn't a day thing. It's not where, okay, well, I'll do it until I'm out of church. No, you repent, you've turned away from that lifestyle. I'm not going there. It's finished. I was on my way to Cooley, but I repented. I found myself in Winkland. I repented again because now the problems are all gone. Well, then I went on my way back to Cooley, except now I repented and decided to go back because there was so much fun there. But then I repented. No, that's not how it's supposed to be. It's a lifestyle change. The double minded man, James says. I want to repent, but I don't want to. I want to repent, but I don't want to. That's a two step. God forgave me. If that was all he did, I'd still have my spiritual inferiority complex. I would still be ashamed to come into his presence. I would still lack boldness in approaching him. But then 1 John 1.9 says, Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If God cleanses me from all unrighteousness, that means I am righteous. That means I can start ruling and reigning again. That means I can stand in the presence of God without a sense of being unworthy or condemnation. It also means that instead of being ruled by Satan and all of his works, I can now rule and reign over him. If this truth ever fully dawns on the church and registers in our spirit, we are going to rise up as giants in the land. We will be like those of the early church. And it will be said of us, too, that... These have turned the world upside down or come hither also. Acts 17, 6. This morning during prayer, I just had a, the words came to me. and says, does not play well with others. And I thought, oh, how many parents have seen that on their children's report cards? And it's always been considered a really horrible thing. But then I was thinking in prayer and it was like the Lord was showing me what would the report card of David have been from the Philistines? Does not play well. We won't even let him go to war with us. What would Samson's report card have said with the Philistines? Does not play well with others. We could go through all of them. Moses does not play well with others. Noah, Noah did not play well with others. Every great leader in the Bible had that report. Because the world system, we should not be playing well with them. We're meant to rule and reign them. This morning, I would encourage you, if there's something that's been holding you back, if there's been that sense of unrighteousness or unworthiness, deal with it today. If there's something you know, I should be rid of this, and I'm still playing with it. Stop it. Lay it down. So as the worship team comes, I'm just going to bring it to the front. Lay it down. Maybe we'll pray with you. Maybe we won't. But just get rid of it. Be righteous. Rule and reign. Reign.